Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeBone, and this is a happy, hippie place for talking all things magic, witches and fiction, and creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 415 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to no one. No one but me. That's not true. You'll find a link to Tiger Night. I'm going to play some Tiger Night music, and I'm going to mention a few books, but this is a solo episode. I just wanted to pop in at the top of September and say, it's my birthday month. (laughs) I love I love, 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 love September. It's the beginning. It's the fantasy of the beginning of sweater weather. It's ridiculous that I'm saying that right now because I just had to take a cold shower. My hair is wet. I closed up this room and I ran the little window AC unit that I have to try to make it as cold as possible because it was 98 degrees today with... Warnings of sudden flash floods or thunderstorms. So like the hot, hot humidity. Sultry is such a sexy, beautiful word, but it's bullshit. (laughs) It's very warm. But I have the fantasy of sweater weather in my head and the hope that once autumn equinox happens toward the end of the month, we will start to roll into sweater weather. And I think I already mentioned to you that it doesn't matter how hot it is. I pull out all my sweaters and try them on anyway at the top of the month because it is tradition. Fashion week is in September. All the good TV shows come back. The movie studios start rolling out their Oscar bait and the fashion magazines are thick, thick, thick. It's the return of Huga. I just love September. And so I wanted to pop in here and say hello in between episodes. And I have one idea that I want to share with you. Speaking of looking forward to sweater weather, I wanted to talk about the magic of anticipation. And this is something that I've talked about before, but it has been on my mind lately. Maybe this is a September thing. I don't know. But the magic of anticipation has really, really been playing around in my mind. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do a special solo episode talking about that. And there are two new patrons over on Patreon supporting the podcast that I have to give a shout out to. Edward Lopez, who is just hopping right in like full steam ahead hopping into Patreon. He has joined the dream team. I'm super excited (laughs) that there's three spots left 
for the Dream Team. If you want to join us, there's only a 10-person capacity, and that involves coaching. You get one coaching call a month with me, and then we do a group mastermind, and then you get access to all the other content there on Patreon, and Edward just hopped right in. He just skipped all the other tiers and hopped right to the Dream Team. So thank you for supporting the show, Edward, and I hope you love the Dream Team. And then Gigi. Thank you, Gigi. Gigi is a new patron. I hope you guys are finding your way over on to Discord so you can hang out over there and get to know everybody and chit-chat like we do. And as always, thank you to anyone and everyone who has ever supported the show over on Patreon. Thank you very much. Thank you for helping me keep a roof over my head, over the kid and I's head. There's two of us that you're keeping a roof over. (laughs) So let's get into talking about the magic of anticipation. This is something that I think you can harness to in two different ways. You could use it to manifest a specific dream that you're working toward, Or you could use it to simply generate more joy and fun in your life. And I think both have to do with creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Some of us are very goal-oriented and we like to work toward a really challenging purpose-filled manifestation and some of us like work for years or decades toward one big goal and then I think there are other people that are just softer more gentle souls who just like to go with the flow and operate from a space of gratitude they seem to always have their needs met and I think if you're that kind of person that's that's a form of living the kick-ass life of your dreams. That's super groovy. And so you can use the magic of anticipation to generate joy and fun, to make it even more fun. And I I was going to say there's two different ways to, two things that inspired me, but I actually think there was a third. I think my mother is involved in this somehow. (laughs) It's really weird. Mother-daughter relationships, I think, are very much like this. Like, you don't realize how much you're like your mom or that maybe things that you picked up from your mom until you're much older. And then it kind of comes as a surprise. But I think, actually, my mom is the one who I first picked this up from, but I just don't give her credit for. (laughs) So I was going to say the two things that really taught me about the magic of anticipation, one is being the mother of an autistic kid, a kid with autism, and who is now a 25-year-old with autism. And... A footnote to this, or what first got me thinking about it, is most people or many people that have autism, they have a really hard time transitioning from one thing to the next. So, for example, if you are playing outside and you're having a good time and then dinner is at 5 You don't just want to like yell out the window like, dinner's at five, come in. That's very jarring to them and challenging to them. They have a hard time making that transition. So what I learned to do is do like a countdown. I'd be like, 30 minutes, 
five minutes and it gives them time to like mentally prepare. And to me, somehow, I guess this is related to this idea of anticipation. It's what very first planted the seed outside of my mother. That was my mother, the mother thing I'll share with you, but that was so subconscious. Like, I don't like to give her credit. <laughs> I like to think I come up with these ideas on my own. But then, of course, she came up with them decades earlier. I just didn't recognize it. <laughs> but so the transition thing with raising a kid with autism was really when I first started thinking about it. But then also I started noticing he has his own calendar. He gets his own calendar every year and he writes down everything that he's looking forward to. And like his Meals on Wheels Day, he delivers food to people that are housebound twice a week. That's one of his volunteer jobs and he loves it. It's his favorite. So those days on the calendar, they get marked down and he looks forward to them. He usually gets to see his Nana, which is maybe his favorite relative. Not maybe, she is. <laughs> I don't like to say that because I don't like to hurt other people's feelings, but Nana is the favorite, and so he will count down. He'll write all the phone calls. They speak on the phone every Sunday and every Wednesday, so he will be like, I have nine more phone calls with my Nana before I get to see her in person, and this is a big deal to him, the counting down. So that is one thing that, that really got me thinking about how important transitions are, but also the magic of anticipation and how fun that can be and how how much you can get out of the anticipatory period before the thing actually happens. And I also think just going back to the whole footnote about transitions, I think that people with autism or people that are extraordinarily sensitive have a lot to teach the rest of us about being kind and gentle with ourselves and other people. And I do really think it's helpful to give everybody a heads up. Like if you are a boss, to give your employees a heads up. If you're going to make a sudden transition or a change in the schedule or if you're in a marriage to give your partner like time with transitions. And especially if you have kids or yourself, this is something I do. I set a timer for like 10 minutes before I have to quit doing something that I know I'll probably get really engrossed in. And it just gives me like that mental cushion to kind of like wrap it up and be like, okay, 10 more minutes. So it's not just people with autism that this is helpful for. I just think that they have such extreme sensitivity that it's easier to recognize in them. But I think we all can benefit from things like this. And then the second thing that really got me understanding the magic, the big magic in purposely courting anticipation is birthday trips. So every year, the kid and I, our birthday is, he was born the day after I turned 20. So he basically stole my birthday thunder and I had no choice but to share it with him. <laughs> but several years back, we started doing these birthday trips to celebrate both of our birthdays. And I noticed that it was in the preparing for the trips that I was having the most fun. Like I would look up all the gluten-free, dairy-free places that we could eat and I would map them out. And, and I do, I mean, not would, I still do. I do this. I map out the whole trip. I look, you know, I study the city. I create a Pinterest board. I create lists. And... 
I just noticed that so much of the joy of the birthday trip happens months before the trip even happens. It's just in preparing for the trip that I'm having a blast. I'm having so much fun. And if you've ever prepared or planned like a big party or something, you know this, right? It's like the planning sometimes can be even more fun than the actual thing. And then that's how it circles back to my mom because this is her life. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't give her credit for this. She is the party planner and the trip planner. She's always planning something and she gets super into it. Her and... Uh, <laughs> Gosh, I could sit here and give you so many examples. She just got back from a road trip with my aunt, my mom and my aunt. So they're sisters. They went on a road trip together and they went to eight different states. They drove through eight different states. They rode hot air balloons. They went to a Josh Groban concert in, I can't remember the name of it, but a really beautiful place with like cliffs, like red rock cliffs. It was very majestic looking and she planned it for months and she's always planning parties that are like themed and everybody gets a special prize and there's like little secrets and special goodies that are on theme and it's she's super into that but I just noticed like that's such a secret secret to life so what I decided to do because September is my birthday month <laughs> the kid was out of town for the three-day weekend I got him back on Monday, and he will not stop talking about his birthday. I've passed this on to my kids. So now not only am I the person that's being annoying and yelling at everybody, it's my birthday month. Now my kid is talking about his birthday all summer long. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. So this weekend, before I went to pick him back up and bring him home, I wrapped all his birthday presents. I wrapped his presents. He has five presents and I put them on the fireplace mantle where he usually keeps his Christmas stocking and I, I hid them up there and, and I just waited for him to notice and it was super cute watching him find it and now all month long he gets to be in suspense. What are the presents? What's in the boxes? Can I open a present? No, you cannot. You can open it on September 30th. <laughs> and I just thought like, what a fun way to build some more some more of that magic the magic of anticipation into September and one thing that I know for sure I have shared at some point here on the podcast but it bears repeating for this particular episode is the name of my first business. I launched my first business in 2003 and it was called Koshi K O S H I Koshi, which is a made-up word. I found out later actually in Japanese, maybe? It means ancient paper. But it was a word that my cousin and I made up because, speaking of opening presents, every Christmas Eve with our Eve Eve with my mom's side of the family, there were a lot of us and there were a lot of kids and one of our uncles was a bus driver. And so we would eat our, our big, you know, holiday dinner and all the kids would be like, where do we get to open presents? And we weren't allowed to open presents until uncle Jim finished his bus route and then came 
to the party and then sat and ate his dinner. <laughs> it drove us nuts with suspense. We were like, couldn't wait to open presents. And so this one chair became the designated chair that me and my BC, my BC April. So BC is best cousin. It's better than best friends and it's better than cousins. It's best cousins. We called ourselves best cousins. We were BCs. <laughs> And we would squeeze into this chair together and it started out as get cozy, get cozy. Like we were so excited. It was Christmas. We were about to open our presents. And then we just would say it like in a really goofy voice and it quickly evolved into get cozy, get cozy. And we would put our faces really close together and it came to represent this really over the top, super excited, the, the joy of eager anticipation. And it just became a word for us. Like we grew up, we said it all through high school, get koshi. And it just had instantly had that, my heart is going to explode. I'm so excited by the wonder of life and the joy of anticipation feeling. And, and as adults, we still say it. And that is why I named my first business Koshi, because I wanted to capture that feeling. It's just a really important feeling to me. This, the magic of anticipation. It says anything is possible. You know what? Before the thing happens, anything could happen. And the best case scenario is still possible. It's this idea of courting wonder. It reminds me a little bit too of something I was talking about. There is a, is a podcast I've been doing on the down low over on Patreon for a little over a year now. It's called the Witchy Writer's Journey Podcast. And I talk about writing and I'll make a bigger deal of that once I have a submittable manuscript and I'm ready to like be like, yay, we're really doing this thing. But uh, there's there's been a nice little group of people following along with this monthly podcast. And on the last episode, I talked about a book I found. It's an older book. It's called A Writer's Time by Kenneth Atchity. And one of the tips that he shares about managing your time as a writer is which is something I've struggled with. How do you how are you a full-time parent and run a full-time business and write a novel series? Like I've had a hard time juggling time. So of course I would pick up a book called A Writer's Time. And there are a couple tips in it that completely changed my game. And one of them has to do with the magic of anticipation. He talks about you write for the day, you do the day's writing, and you then you stop when you know what you're going to say next or when you're in the middle of a great sentence or you're about to like bust into the next thing and it's really great. You stop. So you then create an open loop. So you're excited about the writing the next day. So you know already know what you're going to write. So you avoid setting up like a negative feedback loop of like sitting down to a blank page and staring at it and, you know, writer's block and all of that. You, you already know what you're going to say when you sit down and you're excited about it because you know it's good. Like you end knowing that like, ooh, and the next thing I'm going to write is really, really good. And so you get that anticipation. I experience this too when I'm really wrapped up 
just as a reader, just as a fan, when I'm really wrapped up in a book that I love, I don't have a lot of time to read fiction. I read fiction at night before I go to bed. And because I live a busy full life, by the time I'm laying down in bed with a book, I'm like nodding off. I don't get very far into it. I read pretty slowly my fiction. (laughs) But But the ideal is to have a book that I'm obsessed with that has captured my imagination so I cannot wait to pick it up the next night. Like that's the perfect reading space to me is just to be so obsessed with the world that you can't wait to get back to it. Everything else is annoying because you just got to get back to that world. I love being in that anticipation loop like that. It just feels so good. And these are just little things that I wanted to mention to maybe get your imagination jogging, make you start thinking maybe about how you can court anticipation in your life just to generate more joy and just to have a more flowy experience. But I also wanted to mention it specifically when it comes to manifesting and avoiding the fear trap. 2019 was, I have since turned the corner on this. This is no longer my story. I started writing a new story at the beginning of August, but 2019 has been very challenging and it was very challenging for me for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is because my landlord kept mentioning that he might sell the house. And then it was like, I might sell the house or the house might get torn down or I just might move into the house myself. And we pay a lot to live here, even though it's quite shabby. I love it. <laughs> and LA is very expensive. We get a lot of space for what we pay. We have a front yard and a backyard and a three bedroom house with a lot of space to have your personal private little, you know, I can hide out in the back bedroom and get some work done and read and Tanner can be in the front room reading. It's, we get a lot of square footage for what we pay. So if we had to move for what we pay, it would not be, what's available is not appealing to me at all. It would be a huge downgrade for what we are paying right now. You're looking at probably a very small two-bedroom, one-bath apartment with no outdoor space and no laundry room. And we have 10 million books, 10 million golf balls, uh, three cats, and lots and lots of papers and stuff. I just can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure we would find a way to make it work, but I can't imagine how to make it work. And because he just kind of just kept dropping hints like that, it It put me in a state, I allowed it to put me in a state of anxiety and worry. I did work through that around the springtime where I got to where I was like not so wrapped up in the worry, but I realized it was kind of hanging out anyway underneath the surface. I was feeling kind of grumpy and anxious and like at any minute, you know, like I was going to get some bad news. And uh, so you might have heard me talk about how July too is just, holy smokes, July kicked my butt mainly with so many different tech 
technology difficulties, mini tech glitches. <laughs> the whole month was really, really challenging. And by the time I got to the top of August, I was like, oh, I gave myself a break. I made some really big decisions in my life. I cleaned up some space. And one of the decisions has to do with today's subject, the, ma the magic of anticipation. I decided I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I, I have been playing the victim here. I didn't realize it. I mean, keep in mind, I lead the queen program. I teach women how to go from being a victim, like being in their victim archetype to moving into the queen archetype. But I'm human and I still slip up all the time. And I realized, holy crud, there's a lot of victim victim energy involved in this. Like I'm just waiting for my landlord to tell me my fate. So when I paid my rent at the top of September, I wrote him a letter asking like, hey, you know, you keep saying you, there's like three different scenarios that you're playing around with and you're, it sounds like you're not really sure what you want to do. Here's what I want. You know, and then I just asked like, will you let us stay here for another two years while I build my credit and save my money to buy my own home. And then hopefully it's a win-win situation and you and your wife can plan for your retirement. I have no idea what he will say to this, but it felt really good to just take my power back and say what I want, to state what I want. And the magic of anticipation comes in because I actually made the decision, that's what I'm going to do. No matter what my landlord decides about this situation right now, I'm going to buy my own house. And I'm going to spend the next two years building my credit, creating really consistent income reports, and saving for the massive down payment I would need to buy a house in Los Angeles, because it ain't cheap to buy a house here. <laughs> Half a million dollars will get you probably nothing in, in the, the area that would keep my kid and all of his programs and whatnot. <laughs> so it's expensive. So it would. I'm sure the two years will go by fast, and I have to hustle. But the minute I made that decision, it was like, whoosh, the magic of anticipation kicked in. I got super excited. I took Tanner and I, my son and I, we went one weekend, we went around on our first open house tour. We went to go look at open houses in the area that I would like to buy a house. And that was so much fun. It felt like getting into alignment with the dream. And I was like going over like what I would have to do, like all the mortgage calculators when you're factoring in what the insurance will be and property taxes and everything and just I'm not really a numbers person but in this case I guess I am I it's exciting the magic of anticipation kicked in this is a goal or a dream that seems outlandishly unrealistic for where I am at at my life to go buy you know a six hundred fifty seven hundred thousand dollar house from where I'm sitting right now that seems laughable but I'm the kind of person who will take on a laughable dream and work toward it. <laughs> and it's that magic of anticipation that, here's the thing about it. Instead of pushing toward what you want, instead of having to work through the resistance and, and flex your willpower, 
When you find a dream, it can be laughable. It can be completely delusional. But if it has the magic of anticipation built in, it will also be magnetic. If you find it truly inspiring and it really fires up your passion, it will pull you forward in ease, in the spirit of joy and fun, in a way that a more practical goal just can't do. You really want to get to a place where you are thrilled by the possibility and I'm in that place. I think that a really great vision board can do this for you. I think this is the magic of a vision board is if you can put a vision board together that truly sparks your passion and fires you up and makes you feel inspired, it keeps that energy in motion in your system And so many things kick in. The reticular activation system kicks in and you start noticing opportunities that are in alignment with what you want and like magic starts happening. And that's, to me, the real magic of anticipation. It's about, I don't often talk about raising your vibration, but in this case, it actually has a feeling of like, high vibration. I feel like, woo, like, wee It's very vibey and very exciting. And it feels like being pulled forward instead of, again, like trying to willpower my way, push my way toward something. So just in the case of the house, for example, let's say the two years go by and I don't meet my goal. I promise you that I will, the two years will go by and I'll have tons of fun along the way. We will be going to open houses at least once a month. It's something the kid enjoys, which was a really delightful surprise. I did not know what he would think. He had a great time. So we're going to have a lot of fun. And for sure, when when the two years come and go, my credit will be rocking. I'll have more money in the bank and I'll be a heck of a lot closer to that dream than I am now. So it is well worth working toward it that way. So I guess this is just a little pep talk. I just wanted to share with you something that I personally am excited about right now that I thought you might get something out of. I think that 2020 is such a big, exciting year. I hope you all are planning flapper parties like the Roaring Twenties. Can we please all agree to have Roaring Twenty flapper parties for New Year's Eve? I just think 2020 is such a fun, a new decade, but also like it just sounds cool, right? Like 2020 is coming. And for me, September, the magic of back to school and all of that, there's just a certain spirit in the air that feels anticipatory. So this just felt like the right time to talk about this. And I want to play some music too for my friend Molly Roberts, her band Tiger Night. But before I do that, Molly actually asked me on Twitter, (laughs) she said that I should share a list with everyone of my fall, a fall reading list, my autumn reading list recommendation, something like that. And I don't really have a list, but I do have some books that I'm happy to share with you that I think are perfect 
for fall, for when you want to get into that like cozy, koshy, hoogalicious vibe and just curl up with a book. One that I am super obsessed with right now because it's the one that I am reading right now. It is, it's another YA, young adult, YA fiction. I, this, I don't know what it is with me. I'm, it's dawning on me. I keep saying this, but it's like a slow dawning that this actually might be my genre. I really, really enjoy reading magical young adult fiction with like a touch of romance. And this book just jumped out at me at the bookstore. And my friend Amber bought it for me, which was really sweet. It's called Wink, Poppy, Midnight. I did not know what Wink Poppy Midnight meant when I picked the book up, but the cover was so beautiful and I just flipped it open and started like reading the prose and it was so clever and sharp and somehow dreamlike at the same time. I was like, I love this. I have to have this book. And so she bought it for me and I'm loving it. And again, it's called Wink Poppy Midnight by April Genevieve. I don't know how to say her last name. Tuchoke? I don't know. Wink Poppy Midnight. You can you can go look it up on Amazon. <laughs> it is riveting. It is mysterious. It is dark. It is sexy in the sad way that sexy can be when you're a teenager. And it's, I don't know, it's just a feeling. I can't really explain it. I've really come to realize in recommending books over the years that not every book is for everybody, particularly, you know, when a 45-year-old woman is recommending a young adult novel, like, hello. <laughs> but I absolutely love it. I, I am enchanted for sure. And I think that would make a really good fall read if you're into that kind of thing. The book club pick for Patreon, those of us that are hanging out over on Discord together for the Hippie Witch Patreon, whatchamacallit, our little gang over there, we're reading The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman, which is about to be made into an HBO series, which is very, very exciting. The Rules of Magic, if you don't know, is the prequel to Practical Magic. And you, I'm sure everybody listening has seen the movie Practical Magic with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Of course you have. I love the house and I love the ants. The ants are my favorite. And I don't think you can do better than Stockard Channing and Diane Wiest in playing the ants in Practical Magic. But Apparently, we're going to find out who Hollywood thinks should play these ants as young women, teenagers in their, and then going into like their late teens, going into their 20s, I think, because that is what the rules of magic is about. It's the ants when they were young women. And that book is, it has one of the prettiest covers too, speaking of pretty covers. I just saw it on Reese Witherspoon's book club table at Barnes and Noble. So apparently <laughs> Reese Witherspoon's book club is reading it too. And I have to mention as well that I just read in a newsletter that I read that 
Reese is the new Oprah. She is literally literally driving book sales in America, maybe worldwide, but she is the new Oprah that way. Her book club is massively driving book sales, which I think is really interesting. And I'm happy she picked the rules of magic because it's a good one. It's very vibey. Practical magic is really different. The book is really different than the movie. And I've seen people express their disappointment in that because the movie is very Hollywood. It's cheerful, even though there's dark aspects to it. And it's just so lush and beautiful to look at. I think if you see the movie first and then you go to read the book expecting that, you probably will be disappointed. But if you can come to the book fresh, it's darker. It's a darker experience for sure. But I think it's good too. And then the the rules of magic is almost its own thing. It has its own unique vibe. And I definitely recommend checking that out. It would be perfect for fall. Another one that comes to mind that's not fiction, it's memoir, is called Into the Magic Shop by James R. Doty. And I would love to have him on the podcast. I've not, I didn't ask him because I was about to ask him. And then he showed up on iTunes on Goop. The Goop podcast beat me to it. (laughs) But I should ask him anyway, because they just did a short little interview with him. And I would like to go more in depth. Into the Magic Shop is fascinating. He is a brain surgeon who talks about real magic, like the magic of change, the kind of magic that we're talking about here. But he talks about how when he was a little boy, he was living in poverty and very unhappy. And he stumbled on this magic shop to learn like card tricks and things like that. And the woman that owned the shop actually started teaching him real magic, how to manifest and how to meditate and things like that. And so the book is really this memoir about that and then how that served him in his life as he grew up. It became a brain surgeon. (laughs) It's really good. And because Molly is the one who asked for book recommendations, and I know she's such a vampire lover, I have to recommend The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. It's maybe the most perfect book I've ever read. I cannot say one negative thing about this book. It's, I want to say, over 600 pages long. It took her over a decade to write, and you can really tell. It's so detailed and so well-researched. And it's not a vampire book in the sense of like being in your face, like I want to suck your blood. It's not like that at all. <laughs> it's, it's a book nerd book. It's about scho- scholars going through like these old ancient library books and tracing the history of Dracula, Count Dracula, and going then through all these super old, charming European towns, like, and again, like old libraries looking for Dracula. It is so beautiful. I love it. It's a perfect, perfect, perfect book. And I forgot, I actually have Wink, Poppy, and Midnight sitting here. I drug it out. Because I wanted to, I don't want y'all to be writing to me to be like, why did you recommend this book, Joanna? (laughs) 
I love it so much. I want you to love it too, but I'm going to read a little segment to you really quick. A passage. The interesting thing about this is Wink, Poppy, and Midnight. These are the three narrators of the book. And sometimes each chapter, sometimes it'll just be a paragraph. The chapter is just a paragraph of one of these before it switches to the point of view of another narrator. It moves very, very quickly. And it's riveting. It's mysterious. It's super interesting. So this is Wink talking. Wink says, when the hero knocked on our old screen door at sunset, I thought he was coming to get his fortune told, like everyone else who came to our house. He came bearing one pink little wildflower in his hand, and he gave it to me when I opened the door. I didn't know what to do with it, so I just held it in my fist while he stood there looking pleasant and awkward like the ordinary farm boy before destiny knocks and he's forced to pick up the sword and take to the road. I let him inside, and then, before I could change my mind, I asked him if he wanted to go for a walk in the forest. He looked out the windows at the setting sun, and then said yes anyway. I planned to take him down the path that went right by the Roman Luck House. The Roman Luck House was full of bad things, and sadness, and unforgivables, but I wanted to see what would happen. Midnight waited in our kitchen while I got ready. The orphans surrounded him, asking him questions he didn't know how to answer, mostly about whether he'd seen the ghost of Lucy Rishiet in his house across the road, and if she threw apples at him, or if they fell right through her old ghostly hands. He smiled and didn't seem to mind all their asking. I put on a green cotton dress because the tree spirits like green. It had been Mim's dress when she was a girl and had a white belt. There was only one little hole in the back where you could hardly see it. I forgot to brush my hair before we left, but I did remember to dust my arms and neck with powdered sugar. It made the mosquitoes come at you, but the night was blustery and I wasn't worried. Besides, the unforgivables will feed on you unless you give them something sweet. It distracts them and they leave you alone. Mostly. Oh, oh, I love this book. I love this book. I love it. I'll post a picture of it on Instagram so you can see how pretty it is because it's super pretty. And now, without any further ado, <laughs> I will present to you the song Witch by Tiger Knight because I'm in the mood for a little punk rock. We had a lot of ethereal plinky plucky tunes going on this summer with Spirit House Records sponsoring the Summer of Magic. And so now I feel it is time for some punk rock and Witch by Tiger Knight really fits that bill. So I hope that you are having an awesome September so far. And thinking up, dreaming up new ways to court the magic of anticipation. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Peace.